To be overcome 
God, we love you, and we uh, just read your word this morning that says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him. Because he abides with you and you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Lord, thank you that we are not orphans in this world, that we have you to lean on. We have you to depend on, to lead us, to guide us. And God, you have given us your Holy Spirit to comfort, to counsel, to help us when we're just in the the greatest point in our lives when we can celebrate victories and maybe we don't have words or maybe we're sitting in the lowest valley in our lives and we are struggling with for words to say we know your holy spirit speaks on behalf of us lord we love you we're so thankful that you're here with us in the powerful name of christ amen good morning church turn the person around you in front of you behind you say it's good to see you thank the Lord for he is good. Amen. Yeah. Can we thank the Lord for the sunshine? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so good. Hey guys, if you pass the friendship folders, we appreciate that. And everybody just sign in on that. We have, That sounds horrible. If everybody would sign that, it would be our privilege to be able to pray for you guys. That means the world to us when you do that. Um, kind of, I'm going to share some things that are coming up. Remember inside your bulletin to the right, right in the inside to the right, there's going to be upcoming list of dates to save. Um, one thing that's coming up on March 15th is our foundations class. And what this is all about is now, um, some of you are, you've just accepted Christ or maybe you've been walking with Jesus and you're like, man, I need, I feel like I need to understand some more of the core, the core principles, the core foundations of the Christian faith. And so this is going to be for you on March 15th. Um, you can sign up for this class. Um, it's at 9.30 a.m., um, and, and it's going to be over here in 207, and it's going to be on the 15th. And you can sign up on the front page of our website or inside your bulletin. There's going to be a sheet that you can sign and drop that into the offering plate. And then I want to share that the Financial Peace University class is going to be starting the same day. Um, and what this is going to be is all about helping us take the word of God and to, to use the money God's way, that he use the money that he's given us his way. And so check out this video that talks a little bit more about that class. Financial peace. We all want it. For a while, I didn't have it. 20 years ago, I hit rock bottom. I lost just about everything. I turned to God for help, and I learned how to handle money His way. As you can imagine, it worked. That's why I started Financial Peace University, because God's ways work. Whether you're in over your head or you're doing okay right now, 
If you bring home $10,000 or $10 million, if you're 21 or 61, we all need a plan. Millions of people have been through Financial Peace University. They have success stories of their own. They've learned how to get rid of debt, prepare for generations to come, and give like crazy. Your success story, your financial peace is up to you. Now is your time. It's time to take control of your money. It's time to get ready for what God has for you. It's time for financial peace. So like I mentioned, you can sign up on the front page of our website or there's a little insert inside your bulletin. You can drop that in the offering plate or you can register online uh, and we'll, uh, we'll get you signed up for that class. If you, anything that I mentioned you have questions about, you can talk to the people at the Welcome Center or right on the front page of our website, crossroadsministries.com. You can see all the things that are coming up as well as information that I just mentioned. Two things just quickly highlighted. Um, next Friday, Ladies Paint Night, you can register on our website. And then March Madness, students, this is for you. This is an all-nighter. This is a we're going to have fun the whole night and we're going to preach the gospel, bring your friends and uh, it's just going to be a super fun night. There's going to be all kinds of different stops along the way, um, different fun activities throughout the night. And so if you have any questions, you can check out more information about this event on our website or the people talk to the people at the Welcome Center. It's a good day to be alive. Amen. Yeah, thank you. So good. Ushers, I'm going to invite you all forward this morning as we receive our morning offering. All these events, all these things that are coming up, all that we do, all we want to do is we want to follow Jesus and we want to bring him glory with our lives. And so as we continue on this morning, let's ask him to continue to speak to us as we, as we continue to worship him. Lord, we love you. <clears throat> and I am so thankful that you give us your word. Your word is a, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And God, I thank you that you meet us where we're at. You don't ask us to go off to school for four years, eight years, or to take a class before we can meet you, learn about you. God, you want to meet us right now. And so as we continue on this morning, as we've spent time just singing to you, as we've talked about the things that are coming up to help us develop community, to help us reach our community, to help us grow closer to you, uh, God, we... uh, We give now of our finances because we give towards a mission that is alive and active, and that is the mission of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to give, as uh, as your word says, with a cheerful heart, and to know that um, that's what you ask of us. And, Lord, we are so grateful that you walk with us, that you, as your word says, you do not leave us as orphans on this earth, that you are with us always. Jesus, we worship you. We declare you as the priority in this place. We commit all things before you. Jesus' name. Amen.
Doesn't that feel like your family every now and then? A little bit of building going on, a little bit of construction, a little bit of cutting off an arm here and there, right? And uh, that's exactly what we've been talking about is some assembly required. You know, God has given us all that we need to succeed in, in his word. He has given us the cross. He died on the cross. He paid for our sin. He came back to life again for us. And he's given us a manual. He's given us his word. And in his word is everything that you need to be successful in all ways of life, including your family. So we've taken a few weeks here just to to focus in on some of the things that we can do. Like what are the things that God's called us to do to be a family? What does a family really mean? It doesn't just mean a couple people in a house together. What makes a family? How How do we grow this family? So there's some assembly required. You know, it's just like whenever you pull out that... That, uh, that, that piece of equipment, you have that little Allen wrench and you gotta, you know, you, you buy that thing at the store and you go to put all those pieces together and they give you that little Allen wrench and you're putting all these things together. Same is true in your family. There are things that you have to do to put it together and God, God does His work but He's asked you to participate. So this weekend we spent uh, all day Saturday, uh, Friday evening and all day Saturday, we had about 80 people that were over at our Art of Marriage Conference this weekend. Can we thank God for that? Eighty people, folks. That's exciting. And uh, and that room was packed out over there, and we had a good time. And we just stopped and focused in on our marriage. Uh, the most important human relationship is your is your marriage, your your spouse. If you're married, it's your spouse. And so I, I want you to think about that because we spent that all day Friday, uh, Friday night and all day Saturday. And uh, we are going to do many more things like that in the future. There will be many more opportunities uh, in our church to, uh, to encourage you and your family. Because these are, uh, there's so much that God's given us. And so much that we just kind of skip over. It's so easy to skip over it because we're busy. We're running at the speed of, uh, speed of life, which is sometimes we forget to put God first. And so that's where we started last week was to put God first. I would encourage everyone in this room, every one of us in our church, to put God first. Before your spouse, you put God first. God is number one. Amen? God is number one. So we start there with God. And then comes your spouse. But if we don't put, put our, if we put our spouse above that relationship with God, you're going to be in trouble. And you're going to, you're going to be hurting and there's going to be all kinds of problems because that number, the, the spouse is to be in the number two. And we talked about that last week. There can only be one first place and God is in first. You put your spouse in number two. So start with God and He has to be first place in your life. And I want you to look at this verse this morning, Genesis 2:24. We started out looking at it last week. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And you know, that's how I memorized that as a kid, that verse where it said, The man shall leave his father and, uh, father and mother, and he shall cleave unto his wife. And I want you to think about that this morning because as we, as we consider life and marriage, this is what marriage was all about. It was a, a man leaves his mother and father. Last week we talked about the law of priority. We said, number one, Jesus has got to be first, and then you put your spouse. So when you leave your family, you're no longer, your parents are not your number one, no longer your number one human relationship. Your number one human relationship now comes to your spouse. And so when you enter into that, you have that, and that's the leaving part. And then he shall cleave. 
Now, whenever I was a kid, I never understood the word cleave. I mean, you know, we don't use that word too often, you know. Um, when, when I think of cleave, I think of a cleaver, right? A meat cleaver. You cut it and you divide it in half. You cleave. That's not what this verse is talking about. And then I started to understand what it means to get close. And I was like, to cleave. Yeah. Hubba, 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 you know? I'm like, this is, this means physical sexual relationship. I'm like, yeah, I get it. That's what marriage is about. And you know what? That's only one aspect of this. That's like one aspect. He says to leave and cleave. The word cleave here, uh, in the original, it means this. It means to impinge. To adhere. So, so whenever we become one flesh, we, we leave our parents and we come into the marriage relationship and we leave and cleave and I become one. I love that. We become one flesh, uh, together and the two shall become one flesh. One physically. Yeah, we got that figured out. We understand that one. Um, uh, and, and then to become one emotionally. Wait a minute. Nobody told me about that before I got married. Nobody told me there were emotions before I got married. Um, to cling, to be united socially. To cling, to be united mentally. Like all these areas of life, so we, we become one. And so what he says this, he says, he says he wants you to get on the same page. When, when you leave your family, you get on the same page with your spouse. Look what Genesis 1.27 says. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Look at the command. The very first command for Adam and Eve is to be fruitful and multiply. He says, I want you to be so together. I'm giving you a mission, and you're together on this mission. You are going to be fruitful and multiply. You're going to multiply. You're, in other words, you're going to have a family. You're going to have kids. You're going to start to grow this family. And, uh, and he says then that they would also be fill the earth, subdue it. So in other words, keep having kids, guys. We've got this whole earth you've got to fill. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over all the animals, over all the living creatures, over the fish, over the sea, uh, fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He says, you guys are in charge. Adam and Eve, I want you to start, start civilization. And I've started with your marriage. I put the two of you together, and I want you to start having kids. And I want you to start, uh, here's the mission, to be fruitful and multiply. You are going to go out and you're going to do this work. What he did was he gave them a mission. And the mission was not simply just to be happy. The mission was to be fruitful and multiply. He said to leave and cleave. God designed marriage to be together. The two of you together. This is husband and wife. He put us on the same mission. He has given them their mission was not just to be happy, but their mission was to be fruitful, to multiply. You know, today God has given us the same. He's put us on a mission. And I believe that our mission is to continue today to be fruitful and multiply. Families uh, would do well to be fruitful and multiply. In the mission that God has given us is we place God at the head. 
Whenever a husband and wife come together and they continue on, they focus in on God and they say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you as, as we are together. For a single person this morning, if you're here and you're, you're not married, I want to encourage you to uh, keep your single purpose of Jesus and never give that up. Never give up serving God because God is, he's called, listen, I'm married, but God is number one in my life and God is whom I serve. I happen to serve God with my wife, Rhonda. And as we serve together, we are on mission together and we are trying to be fruitful and to multiply and to do what God has called us to do. And in your life, I want to encourage you, if you are single and you're focusing, you're following after the things of God. Here's what's happened. And now, young people, I want to encourage you, because if you're a teenager in high school, catch this. Lay this down into your heart and into your memory. Follow God and be careful not to follow somebody else. You're going to come along the journey. You're going to follow God. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of your eye, you're going to see somebody over here. And you're like, man, is she good looking? You know, if you're a girl, you're like, man, look at his abs. You know? Just because I cover mine. You're, you're like, you know, and you're looking. At, and so what happens is you look over and you say, wow. And that's good. That's natural. But if this good-looking abs or this beautiful woman is not chasing after the same heart and dream as you, you're going to be like this all your life. And you're going you're to be on two different pages. And so God's design is to be together. He says to be fruitful and multiply together. The two of you. So as you're chasing after God, I always, I always say it like this. Chase after God and look who's right in that same mission. Who's chasing after God with you? Because if you're not chasing after God, single young people, uh, if you're not chasing after God, if you're chasing after God and somebody else over here gets your distraction, here's what will happen. You'll no longer chase after God and you'll chase after this person. Whenever I was young and serving the Lord here at the church and my wife Rhonda walked in as a single person, I'll never forget. I did not stop my mission. I was leading a youth group. And one of our, the, the date that she fell in love with me on, I had 40 teenagers at Kennywood. You can go talk to her. 40 teenagers at Kennywood. She fell in love with me with 40 teenagers around. You know how hard that is, folks? That's like absurd. You know, like, like who goes and invites their girlfriend to go to Kennywood with a youth group, right? So I said, hey, you might as well come. And she met me out there after work. And, you know, and she's like, I fell in love with you. I said, well, I don't understand that falling stuff because I didn't fall. I just, I just decided to love you, baby, right? And so, but here's what happened. We were on mission together. We're serving the Lord together. And what happens in life, it's easy to, uh, to just come over here and chase after somebody else's vision, somebody else's dream, because they look good or they smell good or they, they're, you know, whatever. They, they have some other quality. You've got to keep the God quality first. And then you say, well, I'm married today, and what if we're not on the same page? Here's what I want to encourage you to do. The Scripture tells us to do this. The Scripture says to seek after the Lord, and in your marriage, you continue to live and follow God, and you love your Spouse, love God and love my spouse. Say that. Love God, love my spouse. Say that again. Love God, love my spouse. 
He, he says, listen, just the, you live this because as God fills your heart, he's going to give you something that you can give to your spouse. And now you can pour into your spouse and your spouse will see that, hey, you are real deal. Many people get on a new kick all the time. But when you get on to God, this is not a new kick. This is something that's going to transform your life. Let God transform your life from the inside out. And you go to your spouse and your spouse sees that you are truly passionate about Jesus and that you love your spouse unconditionally. That's the change that he'll make. You see, we have the law of priority was to leave. The first one was to leave. Leave your parents. That's the law of priority. You don't you no longer think about um, your parents as the number one relationship. That doesn't mean we don't care for our parents. It means we still care for them. Uh, some of you are taking care of aging parents. They are the number uh, after your spouse. They come after your spouse in your priority list. Your number one is your spouse. The law of priority. You left your family. You came and started your new family. It's no longer your mommy and daddy and you. It is you and your wife, you and your husband. And you start this relationship together. And then the second thing, the second law I'd like to share with you this morning is the law of pursuit. Pursue each other. We must pursue each other. If we don't, see, he says to leave and to cleave. Leave these things over here and you cleave over here. You have become one. And we're so good at the physical on that side of things. But let's take it to the emotional, the mental, the social, all these things. And so what we do is we become one. So we pursue each other in all areas of life. So the law of priority is God first, spouse second. Now, as I'm developing that, I pursue my spouse. Find out and, and love them and care for them and, and get on the same page and follow God together. The foundation of a godly marriage. Now, check this out. The foundation of a godly marriage, folks, isn't necessarily happiness. It's unity. Whoa, wait a minute. I thought I was getting married so that I would be happy. Here's what happens. If I go into marriage and I'm only getting married so that I will be happy, let me explain something to you. You probably won't be happy. Here's what we do in our life. We go and we try to do things that will make us happy. I'm going to go do this and make myself happy. I'm going to perform something to make myself happy. God says, come and follow me. I will make you happy. You see, whenever I come seeking God, I come seeking him, and then he fills my heart, he fills my soul, and then that's where the joy comes from. So as you come into a marriage, you don't go in there looking at your needs. God said, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. So whenever your husband can't meet all the needs, God says that he will meet your needs, wives. And husbands, whenever your wife can't meet your needs, God says that he will meet your need. Like he says, I will do this. This is who I am. And so you come to God. And, and many people are going to a spouse to get something that God was only intended to give them. You catch that? Many people go to your spouse to get something that only God was intended to give. God is the only one who can give satisfaction, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. All those things that come from this relationship with God. So what happens in marriage is quite often we get tense and we get frustrated because I'm not getting this over here. Well, you can't get that from him. You can't get that from her. You have to come to God. And when, when, when we do it God's way, we leave, we cleave. Uh, we come in there, we pursue each other, we're pursuing God first, then we pursue each other. And God says that the foundation of marriage, listen, it is not about 
just your happiness. It's about being unified. It's about being together. Did you know unity does not mean the same? You know you can be unified and still disagree? Did you guys ever disagree at your houses? Or does it only happen in the Barner residence? I mean, my mom's family, not mine. Right? Catch this here. You can agree to disagree agreeably. Did you catch that? You can agree to disagree agreeably. Say that with me. Agree to dis. Oh, yeah, I, I'm screwed up. Forgive me. Let's try it again. Agree to disagree agreeably. So, so what happens is we come together, and there's things that you know you don't always see eye to eye on. It doesn't mean that we have to have an explosion. It doesn't mean that we have to have the end of the world. Look at what Amos three three says. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Uh, listen, we have our major life direction together, but there's so many things that, that, uh, that we're going to have bumps and problems and ups and downs of life. The secret to love in a family, the secret to love in a marriage is W-O-R-K. I have to work at it. I have to work at loving my spouse. My spouse has to work at loving me. And it's like, wow, you just don't wake up, you know. Uh, I, I always thought this before I was married, that, wow, this is going to be cool. It's going to be the rest of my life. And I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to be married. And it's just, you know, I didn't know what I was thinking. But I'll tell you this, when I wake up in the morning, I have to make a decision every day to love my wife. And my wife has to make a decision every day to love me. It's not because she looks at me and says, wow, isn't he wonderful? It's because I've made a commitment. And you said, as you develop this commitment, that's where the wonderful comes. You start with God, the law of priority, then the law of pursuit. Um, And we see that here because he gave them a mission and pursued that mission together. Now, I want to share with you a little bit of the joys of the family. I'll tell you what. Sometimes when we we realize that God has called us to be fruitful and multiply, like this is is the next thing that he's called us to do is is to enjoy our families. And I want to encourage you to enjoy life together. Like really enjoy life together. Uh, We're only here for a short season. I want you to enjoy life together. God said in his word, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So that means today I have an opportunity. I have an opportunity to be covered by circumstances and to be overwhelmed and to be worrying and stressed. Or I have an opportunity to rejoice in the Lord for this is the day that the Lord has made. Um, I, I th- think about this when. I look at the scriptures here over and over. Ecclesiastes 9.9. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life. The, the, the Ecclesiastes talked about vanity. He said that vanity is all is vanity. Everything under the sun is vanity. He basically says in the book of Ecclesiastes, life is like one big cycle. Christmas comes every year. Easter comes every year. Your kids will go back to school every September. Your kids will grow up. And there's this, this big cycle of life. And the whole point of Ecclesiastes is this, to learn to put God first. 
And as you learn to put God in that priority list and you have God as number one, he is the one who makes everything else make sense. But when you're coming outside of that relationship, it's vanity. And then he gives you some pointers along the way. And he says, oh, by the way, enjoy, live joyfully with your wife. Enjoy life. Children, Psalm 123, 7, children are a gift from the Lord. Now think about that, folks. Those of you that are raising kids, you've got small children, you have gifts from the Lord. And you know, sometimes those gifts from the Lord don't, don't cooperate all the time, do they? Sometimes you have to change diapers of the gifts that God gave you. Sometimes you just would like to have a few hours of sleep from, uh, away from those gifts that God gave you. But may I encourage you to understand that they are the gift from the Lord. God has so blessed your family with these children. And, uh, and so we get, we get to have fun. We get to enjoy life with them. Ecclesiastes 8.15. So I recommend having fun. I recommend enjoy the enjoyment of life. And I want to encourage you to enjoy life while we can. Life is short. I'll tell you what, we had, uh, we had two funerals here in the church this week, this week, and I want you to pray for those families. One of them was uh, Larry Teep, who attends here. His brother Dennis passed away suddenly, 58 years old, and uh, he just didn't wake up a week ago. And uh, we had his funeral Thursday morning. Thursday evening we were here for Jim Shetler. Mary Shetler's dad passed away this past week, and we had a memorial service here for him Thursday evening. And I want you guys to surround these people and and just love them. You know, Jim Shetler attended this church for 40 years. 40 years. I went out and saw him about three weeks ago before he passed, and he explained to me how that he trusted Jesus as his Savior right here in this church. 1980, they were having a service, and the pastor gave an invitation. He walked down down the aisle, and somebody took him to a room and showed him how he could have eternal life. And that was the beginning, and his life was changed from there. Can we thank God for that, folks? We thank God for your dad. We really do. Uh, those of you that know Mary, I want you to just give her a hug today. And she's here, and I, I just uh, encourage her. But I want you to think with me about this, because I can't get my mind off of it. Life is short. James says that it's like a vapor. We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. Life is like a vapor. Life is but a vapor. When you go outside in February in Pittsburgh, you breathe and out comes a vapor. And it's like that. That is a great picture. People in Florida don't have the joy of understanding this, okay? We have firsthand understanding of what that vapor is. You go out there, you breathe, and and I'm like, man, life is gone. And you know what? I'm going to be so stressed over what? Like, it's gone that quickly, and I'm going to be so stressed over that car? I'm going to lose my mind over this house. I'm going to lose my mind on a career. And like it's gone like this. And in the meantime, I haven't even enjoyed the life with my kids. I haven't even had fun with my kids. I'll tell you what, we set out whenever our kids were little um, to, to have fun with our kids. We said we will always have fun. Now, there's, you don't always have fun, but it was, it was a common denominator in our life. We enjoyed life. Why? Because this, this was the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. My, my kids have some of the craziest memories. They really do. 
because I'm a little bit nuts. That's just all there is to it, you know. I, I took them. I, I would I would make up silly songs in the car, taking them back and forth from school. One time, my kids were sick, and I made up a song about their illness. Uh, you know, the other day they brought it up to me. They're like, Dad, can you believe you actually said that? I was like, don't repeat that. But it was fun. We had a lot of fun, right? Um, you know, it's like, like, like we, we would laugh and, and, and we have some really good fun memories. Every year around Christmas and around Easter and, and around every time that we could, we, we made a memory. We, we played softball. We, we had all this fun. And you know what? We got ice cream after every game. Win or lose, we got ice cream. It didn't matter. Why? Because life is fun. And, and it wasn't about the winning. It was about the ice cream. <laughs> I just like ice cream. When you live that close to Dairy Queen, you've got to taste it, right? And, and, and I took the kids as, as when they were little, and I said, hey, we're going to have fun. And so, you know, they're all moping in the car afterwards about the game. I'm like, come on, let's go get an ice cream. Ice cream helps a lot of things, doesn't it? I mean, it's just amazing what that does. But you know what we did? We created, we created fun. And we didn't have much money. We didn't, we didn't go out and spend big vacations. I mean, we went to Niagara Falls. We stayed in the KOA at Niagara Falls. We, we took bikes. I drove, I, I took our car and I, and I put bikes on, the, you know, on our little car. We all got into this little car that I had and, and we put the bikes on the back rack and drove all the way to Niagara Falls with my eight-year-old's little bike spinning all the way back there, right? And we got up there, and we, we took this bike trail, and it, it didn't cost us anything. We spent like we stayed, stayed for thirty dollars a night up there, and, and we and we went, and we had fun, and and my kids will tell you that was one of the funnest times in their life. Why? Because we were together. We spent time, and we enjoyed life. So I want to encourage you, the family that God has given you, folks, enjoy it, because one day you're going to wake up, and life is going to be gone. Like, I, I don't even understand this. I, I can't even totally comprehend how that, like, I've lived life and my kids are now adults. Kind of. Adults, right? I, it's like, how, how does that happen? Like, you, you wake up and, 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 like, that little kid that you couldn't believe, you know, he wouldn't sleep through the night, now is doing great things. And you're, like, applauding them in and, and, and the cycle of life. And it's like, God says, I want you to rejoice for this is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. I recommend the enjoyment of life, but don't get your enjoyment from that ice cream. Don't get your enjoyment from that little silly song. Get your enjoyment from God. Don't get your enjoyment from the day. Get it from the God who made that day. And if you learn how to deal with the, learn how to deal with life in that manner, it is life transformational to your family. You know, great families grow together. That's the other thing. Not only do they have fun, but they grow. They grow not just numerically, but they grow as total people. Look how Jesus grew. Over in Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with the people. In other words, it says here there's four areas. He grew in wisdom. That's intellectually. That's a, a, your mental side. Your, he, he became wiser as he got older. He grew mentally. Uh, he grew in stature. That's his physical. He, he, his body grew. So there was a, a physical component that he grew in, his physical health. Uh, in our families, we have to we grow grow people mentally in wisdom. We grow them in stature and physical. We take care of our bodies. You grow in favor with God. That's your spiritual growth. You spiritually grow in this vertical relationship, 
And then with people, that vertical relationship, you grow in favor with God. And with people, you, you learn how to talk to people. You learn how to deal with people. And so as families, we have a, a huge impact. As mom and dad, you get to, you get to model for your kids. As, uh, as families learn, you know what you learn from your family? You learn a lot from your family, don't you? Some things you wish you didn't learn from your family. How to handle your feelings, you, you, quite often that's modeled for you. You see it, and, and so you, you see how to handle feelings. And so people, quite often, I, I grew up in a home where whenever the, uh, we handled conflict, you learn how to handle conflict as well. So what I do with this emotion, what I do with this conflict, I grew up in a family where there was a lot of yelling and a lot of screaming. Whenever there was a problem, what did we do? We yelled. We screamed. We ducked because things were throwing around our house, okay? I, I kid you not. There were a few times as a kid I remember ducking, um, and, and the list goes on and on. As I've started my family, I've been conscious of that, and I, I probably yell a little bit too much from time to time, but we don't throw things anymore, not on a regular basis anyhow. And it's like, wow, we, we've learned that like what I do, I can model, and I, as I model that, and my kids will have less and less of that as they grow, right? Uh, how to handle loss. How, how do you handle loss? The ups and downs of life. Life, is, life has many triumphs and also has many tragedies. It has many successes and has many failures. And this morning I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, that says, Though a righteous man may fall seven times, he will rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Folks, if you're following God... God's moving in your heart, you're working. It's okay that you stumble and fall. It's not okay to stay down. Because God has says a righteous person will get back up. Remember that song years ago? I get knocked down, but I get up again. Do, 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 I get knocked down. All right? So I remember hearing that on the radio years ago. And I remember that's exactly what our life is like. We get knocked down. We make mistakes. We fail. Um, even as a godly person, as a godly dad and husband and father, um, listen, there, there's times that you're, you're heading, your course is headed towards God, and, uh, and you, you fall. The righteous will fall, but they rise again. The righteous will fall, and God gets them back in the game. See, that's what grace is, folks. This morning, if you're here this morning, you say, listen, you don't understand where I'm coming from. I have failed miserably in this area. May I tell you? Follow God, and He helps you to get back up again. Follow God, get back up again. Because God says, man, my grace is sufficient for you. And God is not sitting here with a track record saying, oh, you failed, so therefore I can't work anymore. You failed, I can't work anymore. No, no, God says, you failed. Let's go. Failure is a part of life, folks. It is. We will fail. But God says, the righteous will fall, but he will rise you. Amen? God is in charge of that, and he will, he will give you the strength. So we learn how to handle loss. We learn uh, what values matter the most in our life. You get this from your habit. You, uh, you, you learn good habits from your family. Um, we learn everything from our family. And how do you learn it? Through our example, your example. As, as mom and dad, uh, you get to teach us to your kids. 
In your family, we are an example. We live with people. And so the people who live in my house at 5035 Norman Avenue, I am an example for those people who reside in that house. This is my little family. They see me. They see me when I'm good. They see me when I'm bad. They see me when I'm happy. They see me when I'm sad. When I'm angry, they see all the whole gamut. And I get to be this example for them. And I want you to consider this morning the example of Jesus. We grow through example. Jesus taught his disciples. Look what Jesus did to his disciples. John 13, verse 14. It was the, at the Last Supper, and uh, he had pulled up his disciples, and he's washing their feet. He says, And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow, so do as I have done to you. The best example is the one that you see. You will learn from what is modeled. And so Jesus, catch this, the, 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 the way it was, was they were coming to the dinner. They have open-toed shoes. When you have open-toed shoes, do you know how nasty your feet get? You, have you ever thought about that? I mean, you probably don't think about that, but... Not something you think about right now, right? But when you have those open-toed shoes walking out in the dust and the dirt, you come in, and what was customary? This was a sanitation thing. Be, you know, when you come in today, we all wear shoes and socks, but we, you have the hand sanitizer, right? You shake hands with 20 people, and then you, you put on this micro, anti, whatever. You, you think you're all going to be better because you did it, right? That's a sanitation thing. So the same is true in that day. They didn't have all that stuff. They didn't have closed-toed shoes. They're wearing these uh, open shoes, and they're walking, and their feet are just dirty, and, and so when they would come together for a meal, they would often recline at this table. And the table was low. You, you'd be very much closer to the person's feet because it was just the, the nature. It wasn't like sitting up at this high table. You'd be sitting down at a much lower position and, and many times reclining together. And so the custom of the day was that a humble servant... The lowly servant would come over, wrap a towel around his waist, get a basin of water, welcome you to the house, and take your shoes off and wash your feet. And so Jesus, he comes at the Last Supper here, and he pulls them in. And remember, these were his disciples. He called them. He chose them to be on his team. And he, he takes a towel and he wraps a towel around his waist. He gets this basin of water and he gets down on his knees. And he says, Peter, give me your foot. And Peter's like, no, 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 we should be washing your feet. No, Peter, just listen to me. Give me your foot. And he takes Peter's foot. The God who created Jesus was present at creation. He's down on his knees to a human being, to Peter who stumbles and falls, who, who couldn't, who, he was up and down all of his life, and he takes his toes and he takes his basin of water and he, and he starts to wash. He says, come here, Peter, let me get that toe, let me get that dirt out between your first and second toe and your third and your fourth toe. Oh, hang on, let me, all right, now let me put a little bit of this salve on here and just let me take care of you. And then, then he comes over to James and John. He comes, he comes over to, uh, he comes over to Judas. Judas was about to betray him. And, and, and Jesus gets down on his knees and he says, I'm going to wash his feet. How many times do we display humility in our family? 
How many times do we lead by example? Look what Jesus said here. He said, I've given you an example to follow. Now do as I have done to you. What if we did that in our families? I'm not talking about washing feet. I'm talking about humility. I'm talking about looking out for the other person. Looking out for your kids. Looking out for your wife. What sacrifice would that be? What, what would that be that I would do that would, that would, that would be the example that Jesus set? Uh, through our conversation, we, we are able to impact our families through our conversation. You know, the very things that we say. And when you think about the things that you say, it's that your conversation is so important. And so while we have fun, while we model these things, he also says, I want you to talk about God. And I want you to, to keep God on your lips all day long. Over in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this was given to the people of Israel. He was talking about the law, the law of God. And he says, I want you to never forget it. He says, you shall teach them, teach God's laws to your children. Teach them diligently to your children. Do you see that word, folks? Diligently. That's not just Sunday. He says, be diligent. Like, like you get, I get to teach my kids this whenever they're not expecting it. I get to teach my, when, when my kids were five years old, I got to teach them about grace. I got to teach them about the love of God. It was on my tongue. It came out. How many things come off of our tongue that are nothing of God, yet alone even constructive? How many times do we take our tongue and we rip and tear people down? And God says, listen, I want you to be diligent to teach your children and you shall talk of them. Talk about the laws of God when you sit in your house. When you're eating dinner, sit in the house and talk about the things of God. When you're, uh, when you're hanging out, I, it, it, he wants it to come out. It's part of who you are. He says, and, uh, and when you walk by the way, so whenever you're taking your kid to school, you talk about the things of God. When you lie down before you go to bed, when you wake up, he says, I want this to be the conversation. And I'd like to encourage you today, folks, if we could take the things of God, His Word, and infuse it into our life, and if we were diligent, like we come and we have become diligent about the things of God for my kids, for my wife, for me, that it would be so much it would be on my tongue. Like it, I would talk about it when I sit down at lunch today. Whenever I go to bed, uh, whenever I'm on my way to here, one of the things I used to do when our kids were little was that I would take them to school every day. That was just our thing. And, uh, and we, we'd drive them. So either my wife or I would drive our kids. And I would try to tell them every day that you are a missionary for God. God wants to use you today to talk to somebody about Jesus. And I would just plant those seeds. And then we would try to pray. And we weren't always successful at that, but I'll tell you what, that was our habit that we placed because I was trying to follow that verse to let it be on my tongue, to talk about it. Uh, maybe some of you want to put a Bible verse into your kids' lunch tomorrow. Just something that's encouraging to them, how much that you're loved by God and you're loved by mom and dad. Just, just throw that in their lunch. I mean, imagine what that would do at, at, at school whenever they open up their peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they're reminded about how much their God loves them and how much their parents love them. Let it roll off your tongue. Let it be a part of what you're doing throughout your way. Make this thing go. 
And, and so what happens here is, is we have this huge opportunity to be an example, to be an impact into our family. But I want to take you to this. Many of you are saying, man, I remember when things were good in our life. I remember when our relationships were healthy. I remember, and you can go back and you have this memory of whenever things were good, and then you've kind of done what is called the slow fade. Nobody, nobody, it's very rare that somebody will be following Jesus and do a direct jump. People follow Jesus and they just do a slow fade. And what happens is we erode. We erode in our habits. We erode with our tongue. We erode with our conversation. We erode with our time. And so we slowly slip over here. And one day we wake up and we realize that we're not even over where we started. People do that in relationships. They start out in relationships so hot and so strong. And then they just like, oh. You know, it's like the newlyweds. You, you see a bunch of newlyweds. Everybody loves to see newlyweds, right? They're hugging and touching and all that fun stuff. And all the wives are like, don't you remember that? And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. I, and, and it's like what happens is you, you just like do this slow fade. So what God wants you to do is to come back. And I love this. There was a church in the book of Revelation. He addresses seven churches. And one of the churches lost their first love. And he, he tells them how to deal with it. He says, listen, because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out. And he says, listen, that, that this lukewarm makes me sick, and I want you to become a follower of me. And he, he tells them, here's the prescription for how to deal with this. And so this may be in your relationship with God. You may be this morning in relationship with God. You said, man, I've just done the slow fade, and I, I don't even know how I've gotten over here where I'm not even looking at the direction anymore. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. This was how he prescribed it. As he told this church, he says, listen, because you've lost your first love, this is what you need to do. He says, you need to remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. I think this morning that's a great prescription for us in our relationship with God to remember. Many of you remember when you first started walking with God. And you say, man, that was such sweet times. I remember I wanted to read my Bible all the time. And I remember I couldn't wait to get to church. And you have memories. You remember those special times. God wants you to remember that. Like, come back and remember the joy of your salvation. Remember this wonderful relationship that God has given you, right? Remember. In your family, come back and remember. Like remember what, like husbands and wife, what, what made you first fall in love with that person? Like you say, oh, I was young, I was crazy. But what was it? You're still the same you underneath of it. And it's still the same crazy person you fell in love with. They're there. He says, go back and remember. And then he says to repent. And repent is like so powerful and repent scares us and we, 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 our culture gives such a, such a negative connotation to repent. But look what, it, look what he says here. I'm, I just want to give you a prescription for repentance. Repentance is to acknowledge the truth. Like I acknowledge the truth. I know that what God's word has said. So what I have done, I, the, the direction that I have taken my life, I acknowledge the truth is that it is no longer where I wanted to go. 
I started out following God, and I'm no longer on that journey. And so you have to acknowledge it. The next thing is that you admit it. And you say, God, I confess to you that not only do I know about it, I'm telling you, God, that I have blown it. I have, I have messed up. I have sinned. I have, this has been a horrible situation in my life. God, I come over here, and I wasn't even trying to walk away from you, but I did a slow fade, and this is where I'm at. You come over, and you repent. You acknowledge. You admit. And then you take action. You adjust. You adjust your course. And so what you do, you say, okay, God, for me to repent, this means that I'm going to turn and turn towards you. I am now aware that I am no longer walking in the light, that I was out in darkness. So, God, I'm coming. In your family, in your relationships, go home today and restore those relationships. Go home and say, listen, I have done slow fade in many areas of my life. I, I, I just need to come back to repentance. I remember what first drew me. And now I'm repenting. And then the third thing he says is go do the things you did at first when you first fell in love with God. And I want to encourage you in this church this morning. Do you remember when you first started following God? What errors do you need to repent in? And what do you need to do? In your family. So we've been talking about assembling your family. Maybe there's just some things that God's been speaking to you about. And you've got to go home. Are you single? Maybe there's some things God's talking to you about to, like, get that target back first. Like, maybe you, you've done a slow fade and you faded off of God onto some, some guy or girl. Like, do you really think that that relationship could even come close to this? But I'm lonely, but you don't know. But did you really? Listen. Remember. Repent. Follow God. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, may I share with you that there is no one without hope. There's not one marriage without hope. There's not one family without hope. There's no human being without hope. Because Jesus came and died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again. And He's invited you today into relationship with Him. So I want to ask everyone in this room, what are the areas that you need to remember? Maybe God's been talking to you. I I don't know what area. Maybe it's something we didn't even bring up this morning, but God's asked you to remember. Would you repent before Him right now? Just tell Him, say, God, I've done the slow fade. God, I want to get on the same page as you. Maybe there's a discussion when you go home this afternoon with your husband or your wife. It's time to get on the same page and and do this repentance. And then next, what is God calling you to do? What are the things that you did at first that He wants you to go back and do? Just some kindness to your family? Reading God's Word? Spending time daily with Him? Father God, I pray that you'll be with each one of us, Lord, as we have come to your word and we realize 
that our families mean so much to us, that God has got to be number one, our spouse, if we're married, is number two, and then if we have kids, they're in the number three spot. But they're still valuable. It doesn't mean we neglect any of these folks. God, I pray that you'll help us as we work with with our priorities and our pursuits. Lord, give us the heart and the passion to pursue you. Father, be with each person in here as there's decisions that are being made today that will affect the course of their life, that will impact their kids, their grandchildren, and generations to come. God, we thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand together. Would you greet those around you? I'm going to challenge you to meet two people that you do not know on your way out. God bless you. You are dismissed. So I